Hello, this is Pastor Pete Beck III with LifeNet in Burlington, North Carolina. Welcome to today's podcast, which is entitled, Please Stop Trying to Be Good Enough. One of the most telling stories in the Bible takes place at the death of Jacob. The family was living in Egypt under the protection and care of Joseph, who is second in command there. The brothers, who years earlier had hated, betrayed, and sold Joseph into slavery, were afraid that now that their father was out of the picture, Joseph would take vengeance on them. They could not imagine that their brother held nothing against them for their previous treachery. They approached Joseph with a fabricated story begging him to spare their lives on behalf of their father. Here's how Joseph responded. And I read from the New American Standard Bible, Genesis 50, 17 through 21. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And then his brothers also came and fell down before him. Behold, we're your servants. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And so he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph's brothers imagined that he was like them and would be unable to let go of his offense. They did not understand that forgiveness is the complete and utter release of a debt. Nothing remains to be paid or collected. All motivation toward revenge is gone without a trace. The memory and knowledge of what happened remained but not the offense or any thoughts of revenge. Many Christians are like those brothers. We have a difficult time releasing others from what they owe us. And imagine that God is like that too. I remember when my youngest son, Clark, was about five or so. He was sitting on my lap as I explained to him that Jesus did nothing wrong but was put to death for our sins. He took our punishment upon himself so that we could go free. He turned to me and asked a most insightful question. Daddy, does he still like us? It is difficult, if not impossible, for us to fathom the depths of the love of the Son of God who freely laid down his life for his enemies. We often think that surely we owe him something in return. Surely, somehow we can pay back this debt we owe to him. Such thinking is a root of legalism, the attempt to gain or maintain a right relationship with God through self-effort. Legalism cannot produce life. It always ends poorly in anger, discouragement, despair, or even self-righteous pride. 
depending on our personality and how well we think we're doing. It is impossible for us to be good enough for God. The sooner we give up on this, the better. Jesus taught a parable that perfectly illustrates this way of thinking. It's found in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I encourage you to read it now. The servant was hopelessly in debt. There was no earthly possibility that he could repay the enormous sum he owed his master. He begged for more time thinking that he could actually pull it off, but the master knew that the only way out was for him to release this servant completely from the debt, which he did. The servant, however, either did not hear or did not accept the master's mercy. He still determined to pay back the debt. The human heart dislikes receiving, quote, charity, end of quote. We want to earn our way. We want to be self-made, so to speak. That was the sin of Adam and remains the driving force behind much of our behavior today. Simply put, we want to be God. It's humbling to realize that we are quite unable to pay God back what we owe him. The wages of sin is death. And unless we die, we still owe God. Unless someone else takes our place. Even though the servant was totally absolved of his debt, he did not accept it. And he began to work hard at collecting all the debts owed to him. He mercilessly threw into prison someone who owed him a small amount but was unable to pay it. This is what we Christians sometimes do when we don't really believe God has forgiven us for our impossible sin debt. We take it out on others. When we are unable to receive God's mercy, we find it impossible to show the same to others. If we think we're pretty good people, we deceive ourselves into thinking that our offense is really not too bad in the grand scheme of things. Our sense of needing God's forgiveness is lessened and our appreciation for the mercy he has shown us diminished. Merciless people illustrate their own poverty of understanding. If we're unable to fully receive God's mercy, we may become like that servant. He heard the master fully release him, but he could not really hear it. He could not believe it or receive it. Jesus gave us another clear illustration of this principle. And this time I'm going to read the passages found in Luke 7, 36 through 50. And I hope you let these words really sink in. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting to eat with him. And Jesus entered the Pharisee's home and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with the hair of her head, and began kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, 
if this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this was who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus responded and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. The one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he canceled the debts of both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I assume the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but the one who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And then those who were reclining at the table with him began saying to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our recognition of our own poverty in relation to God sets us up to fully receive his mercy. Matthew 5, 3. When we imagine we need little or no mercy from God, our hearts are closed to His amazing offer of complete forgiveness. But when we know that we're sinners without a prayer besides God's mercy, we fully receive it and share it with others. <clears throat> when we doubt whether God has fully forgiven us, we reveal that we have not truly heard the good news that Jesus come completely and irrevocably released us from the debt of sin. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, every sin that we would ever commit was in the future. God foresaw it all and made provision for it. And I want to quote to you from Hebrews 10, 10 through 18. This is a very important passage. By this will, the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins, all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us 
For after saying, This is the covenant which I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their mind. He then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer now. Where there is forgiveness for these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. Many people think that Jesus simply erased our past sins, but maintaining a right relationship with God in the future is still in our hands. What we do from here on out is up to us. This kind of thinking puts us on the treadmill of trying to be good enough. People on that hopeless errand eventually collapse into discouragement, despair, or even anger against God, all because they did not understand or receive the full forgiveness of God when it was offered. Let me share a couple of verses that have greatly impacted my own heart and helped me to escape the lost cause of trying to be good enough. The first one, Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I hope you have ears to hear what this passage say. Let me break it down. Jesus died for us before we ever made a move toward God. In fact, we were his avowed inveterate enemies. We were spiritually dead and actually incapable of doing anything to save ourselves. Nothing in us deserved the mercy he showed to us. Second, his death not only provided forgiveness, it also transferred his right standing with God to us. Now we are justified or not guilty. In God's eyes, there is nothing to make us, to make him dissatisfied with us. Third, in addition, because of Jesus' resurrection, we shall be saved by his life. That means that if Jesus lives, so do we. As long as he is alive, we will never die. His well-being translates into our well-being. His favor with God is our favor with God. Everything he has and is has been given to us. In other words, God's own spirit lives inside us, making us authentic children of God with complete access to the Father's heart and blessings. We have passed from death to life. Some of us believe that there must be a but in there somewhere. The gospel cannot possibly be this level of good news. Well, if that's you, I'm glad to tell you that you're mistaken. The gospel is far better than people allow themselves to believe, just as the master's declaration of complete release from debt was too good for the servant to believe, but not too good for the woman who washed his feet 
with her tears. Here's another life-changing verse if you can hear it and receive it. John 5:24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life and they will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from life, from death into life. If you can believe this one verse, you will be set free. Jesus clearly confirms Paul's words. Paul's words. We cannot ever again be condemned for our sins. Why? Because once a debt is paid, cannot be owed any longer. The devil in our own hearts condemn us by deceiving us into believing that God has not truly or completely or irrevocably released us from our debt of sin. But it's all a lie. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. We cannot die because we're already dead. We cannot be condemned because Jesus took our condemnation. When Jesus died, so did we. When he arose, so did we. We cannot go back and undo what he did for us on the cross. And why would we want to do that? The good news is that we have already escaped from the shadow land of legalism and death and have been transported by the Spirit into the wonderful new realm of life in the Son of God. We cannot ever die again. These are the words John spoke to Martha in John 11:25 through 26. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Ask the Lord to help you believe this glorious truth. I promise you, it will change your life.